So last week we uh, continued on in our, our series, we're in week 34 of going through the gospel. And so last week was week 33, we talked about being in storms and struggles, and we shared that story about Jesus calming the storm, and we shared another story about Jesus going over the Sea of Galilee and finding a man who was demon-possessed, not just by one demon, but by a legion of demons, and Jesus brings healing to him. He calms a storm with nothing more than words. And today we're going to continue on in Mark chapter 5 with some of these amazing stories that Jesus is doing. And like I said last week, if you weren't here, Jesus is at the height of his public popularity, right? He hasn't reached the point where everyone's trying to kill him yet, but he's way beyond the being unknown. He is now, people are seeking him out. And they, they want to see the miraculous things that he can do. They want to hear his teaching. They are seeking him out to hear his message. And they see him bring sick people to healing. And they're bringing their sick to him. And they're, they're just, they want to be around him. And we're going to continue to see this today. If you have a Bible or a device, I invite you to open up to Mark chapter 5. That's going to be our main text for today. And I'm going to start out with a pretty lengthy chunk of scripture where Jesus heals a man named Jairus' daughter, but in the midst of that, something else happens, and you're going to see that. Verse 21 of Mark chapter 5, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, right? So he's over there with the demoniac. He comes back over to the other side. A great crowd gathered around him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he, Jairus, fell at Jesus' feet and implored him, begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she might be made well and live. And Jesus went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. One crowd was relieved that Jesus left. Remember at the end of last week, there's crowds of people in in Gerasian area that, that want him to leave because they're afraid of the power that he has. But the crowd back on the other side was already ready to receive Jesus. And there was a couple people there who were extremely ready 
to receive Jesus. Here we see a couple of people who have almost nothing in common except for their extreme need for Jesus. Jairus is a leader amongst the people. He's a leader in the synagogue, which means he's a leader amongst the Jewish elite leaders who are actually already plotting to kill Jesus. He is somebody that everyone knows. He's respected. He is revered. He was most likely wealthy by their standards. He has a family, an entire household of people, and he has a daughter who is 12 years old whom he loves passionately. We find out from the other gospel narratives, she is his only child. And so he adores this little girl. He has so much. But then we have this woman, and she's the polar opposite. She's alone. She has a bleeding condition. Unlike Jairus, she is not powerful. She is unknown. We actually never learn her name in the story. She's most likely considered a complete outcast from society because of what's going on in her body. She is ceremonially unclean, meaning she cannot go to worship services with the women. She cannot be around people. She is supposed to not even be in town. She's risking her safety by even being around these people. They're polar opposites, but they both come to Jesus needing something to heal them. For 12 years, both of these people's lives have been going in polar opposite directions. Jairus has a daughter that brings him joy, a family that he feels connected to, and this poor woman, she has this condition, and her life has just been hard and hard and hard, and she, it says that she spent all of her money on doctors, which back then medical science was obviously not what it is now. They would do all kinds of horrible things to women to try to fix these issues. And so when it says that she's been tormented, that's literal by the things that she has done to try to receive healing, but they both come to Jesus. Jairus gets to Jesus first, and this man who is in a position of authority and respect, this man who might have other people bow to him on a regular basis, this man who is a religious leader, none of that matters to him when his daughter is sick to the point of death. And so he goes and he throws himself prostrate in front of Jesus and begs him to heal his daughter. Even though that means humbling himself completely, he implores Jesus, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And I love this about the story. Jesus just goes. Like no, nothing, he just, he's like, okay, let's go. He goes and he starts walking towards Jairus' home. And as they begin to go, however, this unnamed woman comes and she's been bleeding for 12 years and she's gone to all the doctors. She's spent all of her money. She's done everything that she can do in her own power to seek healing. But she hears reports about Jesus. And I want you to catch that. That little line, is just, it, it almost seems like a throwaway line, but it's not. She hears reports about Jesus, which means people are talking about Jesus. They're doing what my old pastor said 
uh, he called it good gossip. They're gossiping about Jesus. Did you hear what this guy can do? What this, this teacher, did you hear what he is doing around the world? So she hears reports about Jesus from other people. And from what she's heard about him, she has this amazing thought. She hasn't even met him, but she thinks, if I can just touch his garment. Jesus most likely had a, a, a rabbi's garment that had these little tassels on it. And she just thinks, if I can just touch his tassels, I will be healed. That's an amazing amount of faith for a woman who doesn't actually like know Jesus. She hasn't been one of his followers. She just hears from people and says, if that man is that powerful, I just need to touch his garment. And she does. And it works. She can feel immediately that her body is healed from what she has been enduring for over a decade. She touches his clothes and she's healed. And I'm sure in that moment, she feels a sense of joy that she cannot possibly imagine before that moment. She's been healed by the Lord. And, and you can tell by the story, she kind of wants to just sneak in and sneak out with her healing and like never be seen. But then Jesus pulls an audible on her and says, who touched me? And I love this. You see the humor. His disciples look at him and like, what are you talking about? Who touched you? You're in the middle of thousands of people who are, it says, thronging to get to you, and you ask, who touched me? And he's like, no, there's, there's something different. It's not that he doesn't know. Jesus knows who touched him. He wants her to reveal herself. And you would think this is kind of embarrassing. Like, why would Jesus make her reveal herself with the situation that she is in? She has to now tell this whole story in front of people that I've been bleeding for 12 years. I've got this feminine issue that won't go away. Isn't it a little bit cruel of him to call that out in her? I don't think it is because he doesn't just want her to know that she's healed. He wants everybody to know that she's healed. She's an outcast. There's probably people around saying, what is she doing here? And so Jesus makes sure that everybody around her also knows, daughter, your faith has made you well. You're healed. And so he calls attention to it. The woman knows that Jesus is talking about her, so she comes forward and she tells the whole story. Now I can imagine, we've forgotten about Jairus. He's standing there. His daughter is dying. And he's watching this happen, and I'm sure there's a part of him that says, this is all great, but my daughter's dying. Can we wrap it up? Or maybe he's even thinking, we don't know, maybe he's thinking, this woman is a peasant. She's unclean. Why are you wasting your time? We have something important to do. But Jesus stops, and he has this moment with this woman and he speaks to her and he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. I believe, I don't know this for a fact, I believe this is the only time in the New Testament where Jesus calls a woman daughter. The only time. 
he has this moment of intimacy with her. And he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And I want you to notice that it's so important. It wasn't touching the hem of his garment that healed her. It wasn't her action. It was the faith that she had that if she could just touch Jesus, she would be healed. It was her faith in him that made her well and cleansed her from her disease. She didn't have to impress Jesus. She didn't have to go to Jesus and show him, look at all my biblical knowledge that I have. I went to seminary and I would like a blessing from you. She just has faith. Faith to say, if I can just touch Jesus, he will make me well. She didn't have to prove her theological understanding of how healing works in the New Testament. She just has faith. And so she's healed. And then again, you can imagine Jairus maybe like kind of doing this whole like one foot to the other, checking his sundial, like whatever. <laughs> like, I stole that joke. That's not mine. I wish I could be that, that witty. Okay. But now finally, Jesus finishes with this woman and they start going. Verse 35, if you're following along. Verse 35 through 43. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, this is Jairus, someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear only believe, and he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he, pulled them all, he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and they went into where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement, and he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Can you imagine Jairus' heart shattering in that moment? He's been waiting for Jesus to finish with this lady. He's probably aggravated. And right then, as they're finishing up, somebody says, your daughter already died. And his heart must have shattered inside of his chest. And he must be thinking, no, we, we were on our way. We were so close. But Jesus hears this and he says, don't be afraid. Only believe. He's literally saying, keep on believing. Like you came to me in belief. You came to me believing I could do something miraculous. So keep believing that I can do something miraculous. And then Jesus, interestingly, he, this is the first time we see James, uh, Jesus pull aside Peter, James, and John, the group that kind of becomes his inner circle. It's the first time he pulls them aside. He says, you guys come with me. Everyone else wait. 
They go to Jairus' house and they see the commotion that's going on and Jesus gets to the house and he asks the people that are wailing and weeping why they're making all this noise, which is a funny question. They're like, and they laugh at him. Because he says she's not dead, she's just sleeping and they laugh at him. The mourners laugh and it says they laugh to the point of scorn, which is interesting. Why would, why would people that are mourning the death of a little girl start laughing in the midst of this situation? Well, interestingly, in their society, somebody who had wealth like Jairus, if they had a family member die, they would actually hire professional mourners to come to their home and to mourn. So these are people who are actors. They come and they wail and they mourn and they do all these things and it's, it's all to celebrate the, the lost loved one, but their heart's not in it. They're actors. And so when Jesus says she's just asleep, they laugh at him to the point of scorn. And in the original language, it's, it's, they keep on scorning him and mocking him until he puts them all outside. There's going to be mockers in our life. There's going to be people who, when you say, I believe that Jesus can do the impossible, they're going to laugh and mock with scorn. You're going to say, you actually believe that? You believe that Jesus can change your life? That's idiotic. You're a moron. You're believing in superstition. And we have to put those things out and say, I believe in the power of God. I believe in what Jesus can do in my life. I believe that there's a loving creator who also loves you. And even if you mock him, he's pursuing you. Jesus is unfazed by them. He puts them out and he goes to do what he's going to do. Jesus kicks them all out of the house. The only people left there are Jairus, his wife, and Jesus' three closest disciples. And then Jesus, remember, Jesus doesn't need to do this. Remember the, remember the other leader, the centurion, who just said, if you just say the word, he'll be healed. My servant will be healed. So Jesus could have just spoken from Galilee and just said, your daughter's fine. But Jairus didn't have the same kind of faith that the centurion had. Jairus said, I need you to come with me. And Jesus meets Jairus where his faith is. And he goes all the way and he actually takes the little girl's hand. He has another intimate moment with a young girl. He takes her by the hand. And you can imagine Jairus' wife, she has never left her daughter's bedside. She's been there the whole time. And then Jesus says, Talitha Kumai. Which is basically him just saying, little girl, get up. And she does. And they are overwhelmed with amazement. And then Jesus gives them two instructions, and they're so interesting. He says, don't tell anybody about this. Because he knows he's already on his way to the cross. He already knows people are coming after him that people are challenged by him. So he says, yeah, I don't need this recognition right now, so don't tell anybody this right now. And then he says, give her something to eat. 
Because apparently resurrection takes it out of you. You get, you get a little hungry when you come back from the dead. But I even just love that little, that little thing. Jesus cared enough about this little girl to not only bring her back from the dead, but to say, she's probably hungry. Why don't you get her some food? As we close out this story, I just want to talk about there's, there's these different groups in this story as we read through the whole thing. There are the throngs of people that are just around Jesus. And, and they just want to kind of bump into him. They want to see what he's doing. See the miraculous. Hear the teachings. And then there's the people that are his followers. The ones who are living life with him and pursuing him and being discipled by him. And, and they're on this deeper level with him. And then there are these people that are coming to him and falling down at his feet, begging them, begging him to bring them healing or, or sneakily coming up and just trying to touch him because they know that he can be healing. And it just made me think about, like, where are we in this story? I know it's not a story about us. But are you just one of the crowd that wants to kind of bump into Jesus? You just kind of want to be around him and see the things that he might do? Or are you one of the people that is following Jesus? Saying, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Teach me, Rabbi, how to live this life. Teach me how to be a part of the kingdom of God. I hope that all of you are there, that you're, you're not just wanting to bump. Maybe you're here, and that's okay. If you're here for like the first time or the tenth time, and you're just kind of wanting to bump into Jesus, I'm so glad that you're here. But I hope you make that transition into somebody that wants to be with Jesus. But maybe you're that third group right now. and You just want to fall down at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, I need, I need healing for whatever it is, whatever is going on in your life. Lord, I need you to, to do this thing, God, and to, and to beg him, to earnestly seek him. And I'm not telling you that he will magically heal whatever you're asking for. He answers every prayer. But his prayer might be, wait. His prayer might be, his answer might be the answer that he gives to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. But the point is, you come and you throw yourself down at the feet of Jesus and say, I trust you, Lord. I believe that you can do these things. We, we have faith like a woman who just says, if I can just touch him, if I can just be near him, then he can change everything. All of us are at some point in this journey with Jesus, whether we're just casually bumping into him or pursuing him at the deepest levels of our life. And I, I read this story and I see all of these things happening and I'm just praying for us as a church that we are pursuing Jesus, that we want to be with him, that we want to be healed by him, that we don't just kind of want to be the crowd who's just watching from afar saying, that's a fun thing. There's a term that old pastors use, 
following hard after Jesus. I love that term. To follow someone sounds so passive, right? To just follow. But to follow hard isn't passive. It is an active faith where you're saying, I'm going to do what I have to do to get closer to Jesus and to become more of the person that he's created to created me to be and to do the things that he has called me to do in this world for the kingdom of God. Can we follow hard after Jesus? That's my prayer for us today. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for amazing stories of miraculous works, Lord, like Jairus' daughter and this woman, and we believe that you can do those things, and sometimes you do, and other times we, we just fall down at your feet and we just beg you to heal us, and we wait because we know that all of us will receive that ultimate healing when we're with you. But Lord, today I just pray that we would follow hard after you that we would love you with all of our hearts and souls and mind and strength. And as we talk about all these church business things, that we won't, we won't get lost in all those details when really what it comes down to is, are we seeking you? Because we know that you're seeking us. I know that you are not willing that any shall perish, but that all of those would come to repentance. And so you're pursuing everybody in this room, everybody who might be watching online. You are pursuing us and you are offering us grace and mercy. And God, would you help us to put our pride down like Jairus and to not think that we're too important, to not think that we're too powerful, but to just lay down everything and say, I need you, Lord. Help us to lay it all down. 